0: Billy Ocasio, who's the CEO of the National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and Culture. Hi Billy. Hello Steve and hey, I love the music. <laughs> I do too actually. <laughs> you know what? Uh I've I've been to Puerto Rico. It I've only been to San Jose and the area around there. I was speaking at a conference once. Okay. And I don't even recall the second time we were there why we, I was there, but we were. Uh. Uh, but uh, I loved it each time I was there. And the food is spectacular. The vibe is great. But I will tell you, if you live out, and I know people who do, uh, live out in the countryside, things aren't quite the same all the time. And That is true. Yeah. Why? Fundamentally, why is that the case that so much of Puerto Rico— is still so very poor.
1: I mean, you know, there's a few things that I think lead to this. I think that, you know, San Juan gets attention because that's where all of the tourists arrive. That's where the port, the ports are, and so they get a lot of attention. And so a lot of the dollars will go into that area. Uh, but really, the rest of the island is so beautiful. I mean, that's where where you really want to head to, is to the middle of the island. You go to areas like Ponce, I mean... And I would say after, you know, know, given a little bit of time, they just went through this big hurricane. Uh, But, you know, that middle of the island is just unbelievable. Uh, And, you know, and I think that part of it is that, you know, we don't get the types of resources that a state, you know, if you're in the United States, a state here gets a certain amount of resources Puerto Rico, although it's part of the United States, doesn't get the same amount of resources. And so, sorry, I think it leaves the island still uh, behind.
0: Well, all right. But after the last hurricane, uh, I I don't remember the dollar amount, but a tremendous amount of money went to Puerto Rico. uh, And deservedly so. Uh, Now, from what I read in the media, that money essentially has been squandered and... Uh, crooked politicians have done whatever they've done and they're no better off. And in fact, it turned out to be the case. Hurricane hits at first, nearly 100% of the island had no power. Uh, a lot of the island was flooded on and on. And, and you know, if a hurricane hits Miami, things are not good, but it's not quite yeah. like that.
1: No, and you're correct. I think, you know, under the previous president. Um, they said that they were going to help Puerto Rico, that they were going to send, you know, $5.5 billion to, uh, but then all of that, you know, the first thing they did was they decided let's privatize all this. And so people started getting contracts in between, between the past presidency and, the, and, uh, and Puerto Rico's current government, you know, you would think that five years later we would be prepared for hurricane Fiona. And yet we are not. You know, they gave a private comp- uh, company uh, these contracts, uh, Luma, and, uh, and still the outages are, are more frequent now. They last longer, and we're still, they still have not done anything to prepare the grid that they promised they were going to do five years ago. So what is
0: life like on a daily basis in Puerto Rico? So those power outages that we are talking about uh, when the hurricane hits actually happen on a regular basis throughout much of the island.
1: And they do. They do. Uh, It doesn't matter whether there's a hurricane or not. Uh, A hurricane may throw it off for a lot longer, but there's rolling outages ever since the last hurricane, you know, ever since they decided to privatize all this. And, you know, and it's like, People who got contracts from this, none of them really knew the island, uh, you know, and I don't know what's happened to that $5.5 billion, uh, but people are still suffering out there. They still have these roading outages. My mother-in-law lives in, in one of the senior homes, and they're constantly going, their power is constantly going out. You know, they people have to really depend on generators now.
0: Well, I'm dancing around it a little bit, and I shouldn't. The word is corruption, I believe. So, corruption,
1: uh, I believe, is correct
0: word. Yeah. All right. So, let's use this example. So, your mother-in-law lives in a assisted living facility or some such thing. I take it. Yes. All yes. right. Now, th- this is a population that, when the power goes out, I assume that many individuals who live there uh, can be affected profoundly. Uh, As a result, people who depend on oxygen, that kind of thing. And and speaking of which, I understand that insulin can be hard to get. You know, so diabetes occurs there like it does anywhere else. And except that if it occurs here in Chicago, we can get the insulin. It's not always the case there. Medical supplies can be hard to come by as well.
1: No, and it is still, I mean, if you think COVID affected here in the United States, Think about what it's done in Puerto Rico. Think about the lack of resources, Uh, you know, all of the medicines. If You know, if it's hard to get certain things here, they are a lot harder to get them in Puerto Rico. And, you know, and after the last hurricane, uh, after Hurricane Maria, there was just a flood of people who came to the United States uh, and a lot of corporations and companies that moved out. And so, you know, we are still American citizens in Puerto Rico, and yet. The government hasn't really paid attention to us. Uh, We're hoping, I know Biden made uh, made this uh, promise that he's going to clean up, but it's got to go beyond that. I think we need an investigation into all of the tax dollars that the U.S. has put into Puerto Rico that have disappeared under the current Puerto Rico administration and under the last president's administration.
0: So how is this fixed? Would it help if Puerto Rico happened to be the fifty-first state? Are you a supporter of that? And are most Puerto Ricans a supporter of that? I know many people are.
1: You know, I'm a supporter of people having the right to self-determination. And until you know the government get, makes that available to people, it's you know it's really worth worthless and disgusting because you have to let people determine. Yeah. what they want to what they want to do and how they want to be. But you know, they never make anything binding. And so people just don't take it seriously anymore. You have to make if you want to give the people the freedom to choose, then you gotta make it binding.
0: The fact that so many people have fled to the upper forty eight. I don't want to say fled to the United States because again, Puerto yeah. Rico is a part of the United States. And it drives me crazy, and it must drive you a hundred more times crazy when you hear people on the radio or television say that. But they have particularly uh, medical expertise because they can make more money in the United States and other jobs which range widely. But all sorts of people have come to the upper 48 because of dollars and cents after Hurricane Fiona, the last hurricane. Uh, so so how,
1: how is that problem fixed? Well, you know, I think it's, it's that people have fled here, but part of the reason that people have fled here, because there's a lot of people in Puerto Rico that want to help Puerto Rico. And the problem is that it is hard to get those resources from the U.S. into Puerto Rico. I think that if the U.S. did half of what they said, you would see a whole different island. Uh, I mean, think about it. Right now, we just opened up this exhibit at our, at our museum, It's an exhibit from uh, Museo de Arte de Ponce, the museum in Ponce. And, you know, to think that, you know, that the hurricane happened and then there was an earthquake in 2020. This is the biggest museum in the Caribbean and they still cannot open. Uh, You know, so we have this exhibit because of the lack of resources going into Puerto Rico.
0: All right, now the perfect transition. Talk more about not only that exhibit, Billy, but also the National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and Culture.
1: Well, yes, you know, we have, uh, we're the only Puerto Rican museum outside of Puerto Rico, and uh, we had an opportunity to work with uh, Musel de Ponce, who has really the biggest international collection in the whole Caribbean, um, you know, but they suffered. You know, not only was there a Hurricane Maria, but then came earthquake—the earthquake in 2020—and they've been actually closed since the earthquake of 2020. Uh, and you know, they ha- have now started a capital campaign, hoping to open up in 2025. They were just here two weeks ago to do the opening of this new exhibit called "A S- Nostalgia for My Island." They were just here, and while they were here, this hurricane hits Puerto Rico. <laughs> you know? So it's like if they were thinking about opening up in 2025, I'm not sure when they are going to open up. I, I, I think, you know, one thing is that we have this priceless exhibit that's here in Chicago. It's going to be here for 10 months. And it is, uh, it's really 21 masterpieces uh, that are made up of some of the biggest uh, painters of, of in the history of Puerto Rico. You're talking about, Uh, paintings that go back to 1786. Uh, You know, it's just a beautiful exhibit. I want to invite everybody. You know, we're free to the public. We want people to take part in this. We want people to see this exhibit. But it's the biggest exhibit to come to the United States from Puerto Rico.
0: Billy, you know, people are concerned. They want to help, but are concerned. Okay, I don't want my money to land in corrupt hands. So how can people
1: help? Well, you know, let me tell you that we do a lot of research when we, before we give out uh, uh, any money and stuff. So we have, you know, if you go to the museum website, you're going to see two different types of, of fundraising that we're doing. One is in partnership with the Piting Foundation in Puerto Rico, where they are matching dollar for dollar. They know where the money needs to go. They've already uh, done the background checks on the organizations that need to get this money. So, you know, we're, they're very reputable. Now, the big thing here, and let me just say that this is just a great blessing to us. The Chicago uh, Chicago Chef's Cook um, is a conglomerate of different uh, restaurants and chefs throughout the city of Chicago. Um, you got, you know, over 30 of them who participate in these events and they're going to do this Wednesday at the national museum, of Puerto Rican arts and culture. They're going to cook for Puerto Rico uh, tickets are selling for $150. You could, you know, we were looking for sponsors still, but all of that money is going to, is going to be um, going towards a um, uh, world central kitchens uh, relief of Puerto Rico. And, you know, everybody knows world central kitchen, uh, but these These chefs that come together to raise money, to help raise money for Puerto Rico, and those funds will be be going to the World Central Kitchen for distribution towards Puerto Rico's Relief Fund.
0: All right, I'm running out of time here, unfortunately, but time for you to give the
1: website. Okay, so you could go to nmprac.org. That's nmprac.org.
0: nmprac.org. National
1: Museum, Puerto Rican Arts and Culture.
0: And what is your street address?
1: We're at 3015 West Division Street. They vent us Wednesdays from 6 to 9, and if you can't buy tickets online, come to the door. You can pay there. And you can
0: also go to the website and uh, maybe type in your charge card number and help uh, the citizens, the good people of Puerto Rico. Uh, Billy, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, and all Chicagoans, they've always given. Thank you.